Welcome to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Life Behind Bars. On today's show, we're talking all about murder with diminished responsibility and manslaughter. As always in these episodes, I'm joined by Officer Goodwin. Good morning. And I'm joined by Emma. Good morning. And today, as I say, we're going to go through that discussion. Um, it's a penultimate show because we're coming up to, to the final show, which will be a biggie because it's going to be about the death penalty. So we'll obviously end there. But today we're talking, as I said, about um, murder with diminished responsibility and manslaughter. So. Maybe the best place to start is just to have a quick recap. I know we've spoken a little bit about in the series of the different types of sentences that you have, I guess, starting from the bottom, which would be a, a, in theory, I guess, like a probation or a suspended sentence. And then let's bring us up to murder, um, manslaughter. I guess there's a, a bit of a balance between actually sentences and crimes, aren't they? Because you're, well, the, the sentence you get is judges are limited. Crime, it so. depends on whether you're convicted of, of, of murders and whether it's used discretionary, whether it's a compulsory sentence, a mandatory sentence. Uh, there are guidelines that they have to use for tariff dates, but we'll discuss tariff dates as we get to that point, okay? Yeah, I think we did pick up on that earlier in before. the series. Yeah. I know we did. So, in, in theory, let's, let's, let, me, let me try and simplify it, because as you all know, I like simple things, that's how my mind works, is if you kill somebody, that's murder. You've murdered somebody. No. But there's... Oh, 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 but there's different. Hold on, let me let me simplify it. If I if I come across the table and I kill you, mm -hmm. I've killed you. So therefore, I've murdered you. But there's different levels of murder in the sense of how responsible I am for it, or whether I intended to do it. I.e., whether it was an accident, I might have intended to do harm, but not necessarily kill you type of stuff. And then there's all the other aspects that come into it about, as I say, about was I responsible for it, what the emotional state was, what the conditions were, and such like that. Is that fair? Uh, sort of. Correct, maybe I should it, say. It isn't quite the way I'd interpret okay, that. Okay, well, when, when Because you, you may be coming across here to hurt me, unaware that you're going to kill me. Because you're angry at me for some reason. So in yeah. the initial emotion of that thing, you've come across... You can see it, we've all seen it on TVs, we've seen it in real life and all that stuff, but you had no intent, you intended to hurt me, yeah. but you didn't intend to kill me. So you can't always assume that because somebody's coming to do something that you, you can class it as a murder, because it isn't in that sense, is it? Murder is based on intent. Well, I, I, and that's where that in law. And that's where I wanted to get you to, because it, I guess in the simplest instance, if you kill somebody, whether you intended to kill them or not, or you've killed someone, yeah. But that's not necessarily murder. And it's all around well, the, 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 the wording or the, the There's a slight difference. It isn't always with the intent to murder or to kill somebody. It's classed as fully intent. It can be based on murder. If you go and harm somebody knowing, knowing that it's likely that they may die or will die from what you do, like knocking somebody off the road at 80 miles an hour in a car and you bump them off the road, yeah. you will know that that's likely to cause their death. So you could be charged with murder under the grounds that your intention of doing so much damage that you were uh, not even taking in consideration the risk to that life, which is basically the same thing as a murder thing. Yeah. So it can be for that. Even though in your own head you might have bumped them off, they say, well, you would have known that is... The level of damage. The, the level of damage is likely to cause death. Yeah. So therefore, it's intentional. You intended for that. 
there was there, there was a case. It's not a murder case, but there was a, there was a, a case. It was maybe about a year ago. I think I was I was reading about it, and um, there were a group of um, it was a group of girls. They were jumping off a bridge about twenty foot into 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 a like a, a river or a pond type of stuff. It was a hot day, and they were just taking turns jumping off. And one of them was stood on the top, and she was kind of like, oh, "I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it." And it was like, "Oh, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't want to." Do it. And one of her friends pushed her, and she pushed her. So she didn't have any control over how she was falling. She hit the water at such an angle that it broke her back and it paralyzed her and she wasn't able to walk. And her friend was sentenced, I can't remember how long she was given, it wasn't a huge amount of time, but she was sentenced to prison for, I'm not sure exactly what the crime was. It wasn't an attempted murder or thing, it was like an ABH type of stuff. Oh, it comes down to something like reckless behavior. Yeah, but it, and, and the whole point was that, because her friend was like, but I, I, it was just a joke, it was just something funny. Yeah. Like, yes, it was. But, in, in your intent, yes. But and actually, maybe what was more, what's more prevalent, I guess, here is: Do you remember? And again, it must have been a couple of years ago. Those kids on the bridge that were throwing stones off the bridge at cars on the motorway, yeah. Yeah. and uh, a car went underneath. I think they threw a brick, and it, it went through the windscreen, yeah. and the guy uh, and the guy crashed, and he died. Yeah. And it was like four or five kids, and they've they've all been they were all sentenced for. I don't know if it was a murder or a manslaughter. It, a bit I suspect it would have been manslaughter. Yeah. So but it's it's is, that, is that based on the fact that they didn't go out with the intent to kill someone? To them, it was just a bit of a laugh, and they weren't yeah. thinking of the consequences, which I don't know whether we blame their parents for or blame school for, or, not, or society, I don't know. Well, that's where that little bit comes in with murder, knowingly, no, sort of knowing yeah. that your actions are likely to cause death yeah. will put you in that frame. Yeah, so it's either intending to yeah. kill, or you yeah. know it's, that this is a risk of ending. It's, it's difficult, not so much for the police, but it's very difficult. CPS decide on what gets charged, particularly on capital yeah. murders, uh, capital offences. Uh, and it must be difficult, because they have to make a decision, because it doesn't matter what you know, it's what you can prove that matters. So they might yeah. go, well, that's not the point here. We take a big risk with such small amounts of information to charge somebody with murder, that the jury may be likely to bring back um, a, a not guilty plea. And yeah. once you've done that, we can't come back to revisit this. Whereas they go, but it may be easier for us to either prove manslaughter or get a manslaughter charge. So Trying try to prove that those kids yeah. went, went out <laughs> with the intent yeah. to murder this it's individual. What you can prove that counts. You're never going to be able to do. Because actually, that's not what they did. They yeah. didn't go out to murder yeah. this guy. They went out to throw stones off a bridge at cars yeah. without thinking about it. Yeah. I guess that comes down to, because I was about to ask the question and then you've answered it there is whether this is an age thing, because if you have a 30, a group of 13-year-olds, for example, part of that argument by the de defence solicitors will be, well, they don't know any better, they're too young. Whereas if you have somebody that's in their 40s, that, that you know, is, is older, therefore they're deemed to have more life intelligence, then the defence is harder, but the argument is still the same. Well, he just went to throw stones at cars. He didn't go to kill anybody. Or, when it comes to age and things like that, though, the legal terms, mens rea, um, so they have to have what's called mens rea, which is the uh, enough understanding, and that's about their responsibility, about their whether that's intellectual, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's yeah. a mental health thing, um, to be able to be sentenced to yeah. whichever level of crime. Understanding consequences, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? And, and isn't but remember, that's the, set at the age of ten in this country. I was going to say, isn't it ten or twelve? Ten, ten, ten years old. Ten, the age ten, of ten years old, you've got yeah. legal responsibility. They'll, they'll still do the mens rea, but they, they will yeah. look at the ten and say you are responsible for your behaviour in law. Yeah. However, some judgments have to be made then about, 
your understanding of the consequences of the behaviour you do. Yeah, and obviously you the know. sentencing would then be, well, we're not going to put an 11-year-old into into big prison, into real jail, it, it, because yeah. they're just not going, that's Georgian times, isn't yeah. it? You can't put 11-year-old no. boys into prison with... You know, thirty-year-old men that are you know harder criminals that have been doing this for a while and been in that. It just, it just, the environment would not work. No. Um, we know that from the Georgian system. No, and yes. the um, yeah, ten, they, it is deemed that they know right from wrong. But yeah, as Graham said, then it's about how much they understand the consequences of their actions. See, I always said it's really dangerous to set that age, set an age, just an arbitrary age like that, without some other just because at ten years old or eleven years old or twelve or thirteen. Children's appreciation of the consequential behaviour of behaviour is not the same as everybody's yeah, because they're all led either by their parents or by their friends. So we might educate our children to understand about rights and wrongs and responsibilities and good behaviour. And our kids, even our kids might get it wrong when they go to secondary school because they're influenced by others. And they always say that once a child steps into places like secondary school, there is a bigger influence on their behaviour and thinking than your own parents have on you. Which yeah. is why children come home and keep secrets. They don't tell you what goes on in school unless you're really good at communicating with your child. Why? Because they, they, they suddenly get loyalty sits there and not with parents. Children never have a loyalty with their parents when they're young. You're just their parents. And you, just, you, you are the people yeah, that look after them. You, I know you say this. There's no relationship as we understand it like that. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Go on. Go on. Graham's got this great thing that he talks about when he, when, when he does the tours about how primary school children, and sometimes year sevens, but certainly primary and to a degree year sevens, loads of questions, really kind of Brilliant. fire questions off, and some really interesting questions. And university students, loads of questions. Everything in between. When you ask other guys who got any questions, they all kind of very sheepishly sort of like hands in pockets, heads down, don't look. And, it, and, and it's because, or you always say, it, it, it's down to the reasoning that they're, they're a bit nervous to ask questions because you've suddenly got your, your peers and everyone around you going, like, who, who then might be like, oh, that was a silly question, or, or like you might get teased for it. So suddenly you're a bit self-conscious self and very self-aware. Yeah. Oh, if I ask this, what's everyone around me? What's their response going to be? Which is why you tend to get the, the, the clowns of the class and the jokers end up being the ones that people sort of see somewhere at the top. Because, because you say something and everyone laughs and it's like, oh, cool, I made people laugh. And euphoria happens and everyone feels good. Because obviously the, the, the serotonin release in the brains and stuff like that, everyone's laughing, so therefore it's good. And it's not until they become so disruptive, completely off the point, it's not until these children become so disruptive that other kids start to get annoyed and go, actually, I'm trying to learn well, it. But, but it is relevant. It's relevant in the sense that if you go back to the 1960s and more recently, where we've had two, three people at the age of 10 or 11 locked up for murder. Yeah. Uh, the previous one in the 60s was Mary Bell. Yes. Mary Bell was responsible for killing we, two young children. We spoke about in the serial killer yeah. episodes. Way That's right. Yeah. And then the more recent one was the young Jamie Bulger, the, the, those two, um, is it, I forgot their names now, Johnson uh, Robert, and... Um, uh, Robert... Either way. Uh, John Venables and Robert Thompson. Thompson, yeah. Uh, the, the, but they were ten years old. Yeah. But I, I don't want to get into the, the, the no. discussion about... But it's about consequential thinking, isn't it? And we don't know, in the real world, we have to be honest and understand and say, we don't know the level of understanding that our children have got, depending on the families, the area, and the attitudes that they grow up with. And children and develop differently 
anyway. Yes. So those influences then are going to influence how quickly they can pick things up, but then when they're ready to pick things up is different. So these kind of cut-off ages, it's, it's across our society that though, isn't it? It's the same with the schools, which is why within schools you've got the self-conscious ones in that age gap, because in that age gap, Point, they're all expected to be able to do this, 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 this. Just like in law, it's like at 10, right, you know right from wrong. It's That's like right, yeah. things aren't quite as clean cut as that. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, Last yeah. night, or this morning, they just arrested a 16-year-old boy. I saw that. Uh, for two, two stabbings. Well, and, yeah. Stabbings. We don't know whether it's murder yet. We don't know yeah, what it is. Yeah. It's, newspapers are really not very good at this. But they've arrested, and they say... What, you, they, mean, you mean telling things accurately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, they, not they, just, it's not just not papers. Any news channel anywhere is not good we don't know yet whether there are other people involved because there was a four by four going on around the streets. So there may have been adults involved in this, and we don't know whether there's an adults in there controlling that by sending that person out to do something, either to prove themselves or to initiation gangs or part of a gang that's easily manipulated and controlled. We have no idea. But I'll guarantee you on that internet, the minute it's allowed to be broadcast up, who the name is and what's that, everybody will have an answer. Everybody except the people sitting in the jury in the court will have an answer. They'll all know what should be done. And they'll have go, well, I go, how do you know that? You have no information about this. You have no idea what. Uh, and, and we get frustrated with the police. Well, they should be doing that and doing that. They are. But they can't just do it tomorrow. They have to wait for evidence. They have to wait. They know who they're looking for half the time, but they're waiting for the right times. It doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you can prove. And, what you can prove. So they'll wait until they've got good, strong. Because once you arrest them, You've only got a limited time you can question them before you have to release them. And that's really... really had that with the... Um, there was another one the other day, wasn't there? We were discussing it. It was... Um, was it the fire? I think it was the fire, wasn't it, where the two, the two children and the mother had died and they held the... They had the oh, guy yeah, the on them. Yeah, they had the guy held for a couple of days, which was like 48 hours. Then they asked for the extension, they got a 36 hour extension. Yeah. They run it right up to us. They were trying to build all the evidence. And then they charged him with murder. Yeah. And the danger is, murder. If, if you've got that limited time and you're struggling and you arrest people too soon and you're really struggling to pull that really good evidence in, once you release them, you've got a real, real problem now, haven't you? Because the CPS will make a decision whether to charge or not then. And it's not so, so there's a real danger with that. This and I think we all get a little bit, we want people, police and the seat, to do it immediately. And why are they waiting and why aren't they arresting all these people? They go because they need to be sure. Because if you can't charge them with the thing you want to charge them with, you may charge them, have to charge them with something of a lesser nature. And then people go, well, that's not fair. They should have been charged with that. This is, this is one of the problems. It's a rock and a hard place, them, isn't it? Because I think that the, the two biggest think I'd, I'd have to fact check it but I think the two biggest crime challenges they have between the police and the CPS are rapes and sexual assaults mm. because they're so hard to prove unless you've got the DNA evidence and even then it's a he said she said type of scenario absolutely one-on-one and it, becomes, it becomes so hard and what what tends to happen or what does what can happen is the CPS look at it and go we just don't think we're going to get conviction there and therefore it's not yeah. worth the, the judge it's not in the public interest because it's about money yeah because it comes back down to that tax and it's about winning and, and losing therefore, well. yeah but but it, yeah and ultimately yes they don't want to do something they don't think they're going to win but there is also a cost associated to every single every single court case happens so they just don't bother and then it, it just goes nowhere whereas with what we're talking about obviously with 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 murders murder with diminished responsibility 
there's a body, there's generally a lot more DNA evidence, there's generally a lot more happens. There's a lot less unsolved murders that happen nowadays. But I don't it, even hear about it, them, but it, there's it, not many. It becomes a lot more complicated because if let's let's put murder to one side now as a single separate charge, you're either guilty or you're innocent of committing that murder. And you move into manslaughter now. Yeah. But you've got discretionary involuntary and involuntary manslaughter and they do bring different sentences because there's a different sense of responsibility but you've also got corporate manslaughter now no one has ever gone to prison for corporate manslaughter because you don't charge the individual you charge the company yeah so companies are held to account so as the manager or a runner or the ceo or everywhere is running that if they run a business that actually is extremely dangerous to people's health and life and they die they won't be affected other than having their company taken as corporate manslaughter yeah and it nearly only ever ends up in a either a very large fine yeah. more, more than anything else yeah improvement in safety yeah. practices and, and like you say a large fine yeah. it, it does end up with you know the yeah. current ceo or whoever it is getting getting ousted but that's probably more of a pr thing potentially yeah. um but yeah you're absolutely right about yeah. it yeah we, we see that happen there was a guy that um, got crushed by the forklift, where, mm -hmm. where his forklift went down the thing. And I think the company was, was, was held responsible for that. There was a, I was again a few years ago, but there was a guy that fell into a silage pit. Yeah. And he died. I, I um, knew a guy that I used to work in a yogurt factory yeah. with whose arm went into a machine. He lost his arm. Yeah. That'd be funny enough, he still works. And they go, is that, um, well, they look at things, health and safety then look at things like what, what you call it, reasonably practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an old thing I did when I was doing health and safety in the prison. What's reasonable for an employer to do should be done. God, the risk yeah. assessments for prison officers must be pretty extreme. Eh? Well, I mean, it's but not, not many jobs. Like if it's reasonably practical to do it and you didn't do it, then you'll go and go, that's that now manslaughter charge. Why? Because you could have prevented that. If they look at it and go, no, no, they did all the safety things that was possible to do at a reasonable level. It's the employees that refused to not, you know, when not being supervised, not to follow those. Yeah. then they'll, you'll find it's not so easy to start charging people There's, with corporate manslaughter. So you get that either accidental thing or that, that they've not been responsible with their own actions. Yes. They've not followed yeah. the processes that are there. Yeah, if the process are in place, you've been trained, yeah. you don't follow them, this is different levels. Yeah. I mean, again, slightly off point before we take a break, but I know that one of the, one of the things we had, I, I laugh about it because it's, it sounds so crazy. And I know when I speak to people about it, they're like, That's, that can't be a real thing. But I don't know if you, if you both remember, when we, when we first started running Shrewsbury Prison, as a, as a tourist attraction, we were doing paranormal investigations. I had to spend a lot of time with the insurers and a lot of time in the health and safety world about whether we could get like a ghost insurance. And it was all based around, because we had an incident here quite early on when we first started where somebody got possessed. I'm not gonna say whether they did or whether they didn't, but they got possessed. I remember they stood up and I remember the incident. I wasn't there, but I remember the write-up. They stood up and they suddenly went a bit crazy and they went white and, like, and they ran into a wall and they cut their head and they fell over. And then they came back too and they were fine, other than the cut on their head, they had the physical injury. And there was this thing going, well, who's responsible for that? Because the, the, it's like, well, if, if someone just runs into a wall, then you'd kind of be like, well, they're responsible for that. But in their perspective, they weren't in control. A spirit had taken yeah. over their body. And I remember sat there with, with, with our operations director at the time and sort of going, how do we write a risk assessment on this? I remember having conversations with the insurance company and the insurance brokers. The insurance brokers were like, what? Like, what? And, and no one had really come up against this before. And we were having to figure out what that looks like to make sure that we were limiting the responsibility to the company 
because it, it was just so bizarre. And that's a yeah, very extreme. That's a very extreme. You can't do a risk assessment on something such as that because some things you just can't yeah. do a, a risk assessment to make it and go. We can do that. That's when you have disclaimers put in the place. Well, because disclaimers take the place of a great. They don't. Oh, can't they, alter something they, they don't. Do you know what? Again, again, I have, I've spoken with the insurance company because when we do like axe throwing and we have disclaimers and the, and the bottom line is a disclaimer has never and will never stand up in court. Yeah. If if I give you if I get you to sign a disclaimer that says you're going to do this activity and you take full responsibility on the assumption that we've trained you correctly and you've not followed our instructions. So who should we charge if somebody picks up one of your axes up there mm. and they're playing a game and suddenly their heads pop and they decide to start chopping other people? Well, that's different. Will they say to you, that's different. Will they say, yeah, yeah, did different. you take the appropriate measures to isolate each of these groups of this person couldn't well, that's, around that's, the axe? That's, that's the same. The, the, argument, the argument would be that you're over 16, so there's nothing stopping you going into B&Q, yeah. buying an axe, axe, walking out and starting chopping yes. people's heads off. That, that wouldn't be us. But what, what and, and, then, and, and what I'm saying about disclaimers, what could happen, for example, is we could say, right, you sign a disclaimer to say that any incident or, or anything, if you do not, and the disclaimer can't just say, you take full responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's no. not a real thing. To, no. Even if you sign something that says that, it's not a real you thing. You take all prevention. It can say that if you do not follow the procedures, Seizures. the training, and everything we put in place to say to you, this is how to do it, then you're responsible. Yeah. Now that's what would be classed as a real disclaimer. If you then go into throw an axe and you do it wrong, let's say, or you throw it and it bounces off and it hits you in the leg or you throw it and it goes in and, and, and you go to pick it up or, and you don't listen to the instructions and you cut yourself off that type of stuff. There is, and you, you're injured, for example, when you decide that you're going to take us to court because you see that's our fault. We pull out that disclaimer, really that's going to get thrown out quite quickly because the reality is they're going to go, well, how long was the training session? Yeah. How long do you train your staff was it supervised to do training? this? Yeah. Yeah. How is it, what, and it's not just that, but what things were in place to prevent that from happening? And the disclaimer really goes out the window because we've, we've looked at it and we've, we've, yeah. we've run different events where we've gone, this is really hard to do, especially like the zombie events in the dark and kind of those environments. We'll put disclaimers in place. And the insurance company go, you can do that. The reality is if you end up in a court, that disclaimer probably isn't really gonna be taken into consideration. It's gonna be dismissed because you cannot stand there and go, sign this piece of paper, you're now responsible. In other countries you can, and we hear about it when people go bungee jumping or they go skydiving, whatever it is, you sign a disclaimer and boom. Different countries, different laws. New Zealand, for example. New Zealand don't have um, uh, a corporate, I can't remember what it is. Basically, if 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 in if in the UK, yeah, yeah, you you yeah, have different levels of they're calling different in, things. In, in the UK, if you walk down the street, corporate man, and and you and there's a hole in the street, yeah, like they dug a hole, a manhole, for example, to that, and you trip in it, you can sue the local council and and the company doing the works, and if they've not properly like signposted and yeah. stuff like that, you can sue them and, and you know you'll win. In New Zealand, if you do the same thing. They turn around and go, well, you should have seen the hole. Yeah. Well, you should have been walking with your, your eyes open. Your You're eyes responsible yeah. for Absolutely. your own behaviour. Every and country makes its own That seems so intelligent. But you can't sue each other for, like, civil cases. And that's I, I, I've got a question for, for you, because you dealt with life sentence prisoners uh, a lot in your time when you were down at Chapton Mallet. And, and when you were doing all those interviews, even though that they might have been convicted of a murder, 
not there's other life sentence prisoners, of course, but for murder. Did you ever find in those conversations you were having, they were always trying to get to convince you that lean towards that it was actually manslaughter and not murder, in the hope, even though they know it's a charge of murder and guilty of, they that it may reflect how you write your parole reports for the parole board to, to get you to psychologically lean towards that, well, you know, he's, it's not as cold and as brutal and, 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 and not taking responsibility for their crimes even though they've been charged with murder, because there's a huge amount of denial. There's a real mix. Th there is, there is there's the a huge denial. amount of denial with people that actually commit murder, particularly if they're not a criminal in the first place, and they're not running around with that kind of lifestyle, and they do actually end up being charged with murder. as a one-off in their lives. They must live with a huge amount of denial in their own mind themselves, that they can't believe that they've done this. It could be somebody they know very well. Oh, I'm desperate to answer. I'm going to stop you, because we, we're so far past a break. I'm going to... Emma will absolutely answer it as soon as we come from, back from the break. We'll hear from her first, but I'm going to have to put a break in. Otherwise, our sponsors will like, they'll ditch us, and then then none of us can continue to put yeah. petrol off for our reasons. Pay up, you know, fill yeah. our swimming pools, and you know, jet off around the world. I put in the billion later on. Pay up, sponsors. Yeah, you've right. got to get knee surgery. Do you know what I mean? That's I know. So, yeah. so we've got to get twice. To, we've got to end up with two knees from the back. So we get. We take a quick break uh, after the Emma will be back right after these messages. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Unlock the past and discover what life was like at Shepton Mallet Prison. Relive the history of past prisoners over the last 400 years. Experience what a Victorian prison cell was like for those incarcerated. See where executions were carried out. Walk the landings and prison wings. You'll hear stories of those who worked and lived behind its high walls. See it, touch it, feel it on a journey of discovery at the nation's oldest prison. Visit ShiptonMalletPrison.com today to find out more. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. We're here in part two. Um, if you can hear the clicking, I'm just going to throw it in. If you can hear that constant clicking, it's actually one of the heaters because we're in a studio. It's, it's, it's quite a good size, but it's really cold. because You can't see from your we're, we're, we're in a prison. It's the place, it's a thing in the corner with a few flames licking at you. <laughs> like the door is. It doesn't matter if it's got flames. Like the door is, you can't it's, get out. It's warm though, isn't it? Would you prefer it to be warm? Oh, or right. like, so Die warm, that's what I say. There's some corporate manslaughter responsibility in that. Emma, um, just before we took the break, Graham asked you a question um responsibility yeah um it, there's a real mix i mean more of the reports i wrote were actually on uh people who've committed sexual offenses than murder all right okay. but even so there was a number that had done it and there was a real mix i remember working with somebody who'd been in prison for longer than i was alive um and he was in for killing a police officer and even when i was there was still saying that the police officer fell on his knife and you just think you've been I'm in sorry, prison sorry. for like did you say years. did you say the police officer yeah. fell on his knife yeah yeah can, now, you, can you can you just now, but the question i'd ask with that one is is he telling you that because he wants to justify to you that it wasn't as serious 
or justified to themselves? Have they started to believe their own story? I, if I say to myself enough, <coughs> he fell on his knife, they do say that at a psychological level, you can actually convince your own brain that the thoughts that you now have are the truth as opposed to what it would have been originally. I think he had convinced himself. Yes. There if was you, less you, extreme cases. Yes, if that. you so tell yourself something enough, eventually you believe it. Yes, it becomes yeah, a new narrative in your mind. There, there was more mental yeah, health yeah, there, I'm sure. It's a simple and example. And he'd yeah. been in prison since yeah. like but, the but, 60s, but, that is, but that is a case. Um, and then there were some people that had, you know, accounts that more of that kind of was the intent there or was it more struggling to face um, up to their actual actions yeah or, or was it a, like an, an assault or the gbh that has ended up mm. in um, murder well in, we did discuss it before can, the, the show started where, where, where i said we had a guy here that was here which, which I, it was either his partner or or it was the partner the lovers he went home and caught you know, compromising situation and all that. But it was a couple of days. He went away and he came back a couple of days. Oh, with so he, a he got, found his oh, wife and found his wife and, and then he killed and he got charged with right, a murder. Just, just, just because that I know what you're talking about because we discussed it before the show, but these guys weren't. So you're talking about an instance where a guy went home, found his wife in theory what well, basically in bed yep. with another man. Yep. And then rather than react at that point, yep. he Went off, come back a couple of days later with a shotgun. Went, went away, came back yeah, two days back, later with a shotgun. Went back, that's a bang. And yeah. he, got, he got manslaughter charged for well, that. Killed her. Because the argument would be, were you actually, oh yeah, I think it was, yeah, because he wouldn't have been there all the time. Well, we but with the intent, you went there with the intent of picking up this shotgun, knowing what gut shotguns are designed for, walking or going back to that place, picking it up, and you go, well, that must be intent. But that's when it gets complicated, doesn't it? Because that's when... The I don't think so. Well, I think too, well, I mean, what you're yeah, saying but is... But that's when the psychologist and the psychiatrist... How go, long does diminished responsibility last? How do you know how long somebody could lose their, the sense of the real world and thinking? Is it a couple of days and you well, must be all right after that? And that really depends on... When you look at domestic violence well, cases and you get that... Um, yeah, and bereavement and things like that. Abuse or mental abuse and people can crack under that and it's like and diminished responsibility is about not being able to be accountable yeah because be bereavement can go for ages let me ask you this what is the and i think you're, you're you're pretty much answering that what is the actual kind of line in terms of what is diminished responsibility uh, yes it means that i'm not as responsible but what is it that allows me to say well i it's diminished responsibility because i what, was it, was it an emotional capacity. mess? Or it's the like mental capacity to understand. Understand what, what, what you're what about you, to be doing next and what is, you're not doing. Ro is wrong. What I'm doing or what the consequences of what I'm doing? Well, I think the, if you the, can think of the consequences, then you, they, we might say, well, if you understand the consequences of your actions, it may not be. But then you don't know because somebody goes, I know I'm, I can't, I, I've got to do this. And they already know that they're probably going to get caught for it. But they don't think about their actions or the consequences of their actions to themselves, to other people. Who knows, it's really difficult. Because it becomes so complex. You hear cases of, you think, in films where people are kind of almost out-of-body experiences, that kind of, I'm not even sure. But then do people then pretend that so they don't get, it's not so much in the UK, because ultimately we don't have a death penalty, but if you're in a country that has a death penalty, and if I get found guilty for murder, I'm going to get executed. Whereas if I get found guilty for 
murder diminished responsibility, or, or in, I think in America it's the um, insanity. Well, you got first, and second, and third degree. Yeah, murder. but they're insanity pleas. It's the same thing. So it's not my first degree, but it's insanity plea or whatever it might be. So therefore, I'm going to pretend or I'm going to make out that you know I don't have the. the but, I, it should be yeah, this could be but there was a case some, some years ago now of a woman. She was, I think, she was well into her forties, and she literally stabbed her husband to death a number of times while he was asleep in bed. And she got charged and found guilty of murder and got sentenced appropriately. But she fought the case for years and eventually, I think she'd served about eight years in prison and she won her appeal based on diminished responsibility. Because when they looked into the whole history of that relationship, she had suffered appalling abuse, appalling domestic violence. And just even though she might have stepped out of her doors every day, gone to work and appeared to be living as a reasonable person without any problems, you have no idea what's, there's two things going on, you know, it's like split personalities in a way. And she just walked, she was just there one night and decided she couldn't do this anymore. I'm not going to live this anymore. Now, there's always the argument like comes up, well, you should have left. You should yeah, have left. Nothing, nothing is as easy as that. Um, the level of abuse in a case like that you it's you're not going to know outside that and it could be psychological more than physical and, and both the, the abuse the abuse of that sort is hidden that that's the whole it thing. it's it's not very visible because no. otherwise there would be things yeah there's always the sort of normality going on there was a, yeah. there was another one recently again and i think i think it's come back up again it was a few months ago it came back up because it was one of the things I remember saying to you about this show about, oh, maybe for series two, we should be picking up on things like in the current media and doing it like week on week, so yeah. rather than recording 10 episodes, because with this show at the moment, we've recorded, <clears throat> we've recorded 10 episodes over, you know, a, a, an eight week period and they'll go up. So not as relevant in terms of what we could be talking about. And there was, there was the lady who s killed her husband. She, well, she stabbed him multiple times. And then she rang the police, or she rang the ambulance and oh, said, yeah, sure. um, oh, I, you know, my, my husband, I've, I've just stabbed my husband. Yes. Like, and they go, is he still breathing? She's like, I hope not. Yes. And then we're like, well, we're going to send an ambulance. Yes. Like, Don't. And when they turned up, and even then the whole police yeah. recordings and stuff, and they turned up, she goes, is he still alive? And they're like, he's still alive. She's like, just leave him. Yes. Let him die. Yeah. And it turned out that he'd been abusing her for years, physically yeah. and emotionally, and, and everything like that. And, and she wanted him. You know, she, she was there saying, I want him to die. I, you know, let, him, let him die. He deserves to die. Type of stuff. I'm not sure what she actually ended up getting. I, I don't think it was a murder. I think she ended up getting a manslaughter because, because of the abuse. And, and what was really interesting to me was how the kids kind of responded yes. to the situation. situation. How their children. Children always know what are going on in these relationships. Yeah, and I just, but it was just, it was such a big thing in the sense of, you know, the fact that you've done it and then you're on the phone going, yeah, I've, I've just done it and he deserves to die and I want him to die and I don't want you to come type of stuff. And, but at the same time, she made the decision to make the call whilst he was still alive rather than wait until he died and then make the call. And, yeah. and I wonder whether yeah. those sorts of those Well, you might say, well, that's a disturbed mind that doesn't, that doesn't isn't able to put it it's in its place. It's not matching what her wishes and her behaviour. No, quite and plus, mind, we don't know what the fear factor was. Said, well, if he doesn't die, I'm going to, because when he gets better, he'll kill mm -hmm. me. You could possibly do poss possibly the children mm -hmm. as a punishment, because that's another crime in its own right. Where and it generally seems to be men more than women, but I'm not saying it doesn't happen the other way. Where men go and they kill the children, yeah, and then commit suicide as a punishment to the mother. 
a lifelong punishment of losing our kids, which they, some people in their, in, their, in their deranged minds would go, well, that's a far greater punishment than me killing you and letting the children grow up. Do you know, and so you can see there's some very twisted, yeah. very twisted thinking going on with people, isn't there? There's, a, there's anger a, and a, a revenge. Case you were talking about, sorry, just to, to link with what we were talking about in terms of murder and manslaughter. Well, I don't know what she got, but I, I know. Not, the thing with manslaughter, manslaughter is there isn't the intent to kill, whereas like d diminished responsibility is where you something's happened, but you've, you've been not got the responsibility yeah. level. Yeah. So it's murder parts. with, so dimi murder murder with murder diminished responsibility. Whereas manslaughter, again, you've still got diminished responsibility within that, and you've got voluntary and involuntary. Yeah. So voluntary because is where you have intended harm, harm. but not, not death. death. You know whereas the danger. involuntary is like reckless driving, and you've killed someone, but it was there was no intent of harm, no intent of anything, but you've killed someone. Because if we look back to Ian Huntley, and again I would have to check, but didn't he, did he end up with manslaughter? No, Ian yeah, Huntley was charged. Know. Ian Huntley? Yeah. No, he was charged with double murder, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and no, and he's been given a whole lifetime. No, I, but I wasn't sure if that's what ended up happening because I remember his defence, his claim was, well I didn't mean to kill them. Initially, he was obviously saying, do remember that. and it was like, I didn't mean to kill them, and therefore the CPS have to make that decision and go, well, we have to prove that he did this with intent and he meant to, yes. he went out to do this. And actually, sometimes I assume it must happen. The CPS will look at this and go, this person's saying they didn't mean to do it. We know we can get a manslaughter yeah. without intent, and we can get this sentence yes. with very little effort yeah. because they're, they're going to plead to that, or we can try and fight this. And therefore, the CPS go, that's the easier route, let's do part of least resistance. The problem with that argument, and it was a very weak argument on his part, is that I didn't intend to do it. So you didn't intend to do it twice? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I got and, and it sounds... And you're but, the probably, but the Jamie Bolger case... You, you're going to put me right on this or, or, or appreciate what I'm saying. There is, a, there is a lot of case going on when people that are committing those kind of crimes, their prime motive is the, the sexual element of that. That's their prime, that's the driver for them to yeah. go and do that offence. The problem is, is when they've finished that prime motive and they've satisfied that, now they're left with a problem. And their problem is called two witnesses. And then another set of thinking processes take place then, don't they? Protect themselves. Because you don't know, you don't know what's going on in there, but it's like all things. So sometimes these, I'm not saying it's happened in this case, but I'm saying there are examples where these things become afterthoughts because you're left with a thing there. A problem. A problem in that sense. So I'm, I'm not going to dismiss this because it's, yeah, no, it's a horrific offence. Horrific offences. Uh, and, and, and quite rightly he's there for the rest of his life and yeah. never ever get out of jail. Well, I think, I think we'll have, his name will definitely be popping back it, up. It in, will, in, it will, in, yeah. In the but, yeah. But, but the reality is, yeah, so. The, uh, it, there's different level, different motivations, isn't there? So like the key motivation in some offences will be sexual and then there might be a yes. death as a result of yeah. the crime or a death to and then there's Ian Brady. the crime or it might be... Ian Brady fully, and Mario fully expected those children will be dying as well. That was the whole process, as it was with um, Fred West. Yeah. Fred West, none of these were afterthoughts. These were the whole part of the start and the finish of the process. He probably even planned out the burial sites before he'd taken the next victim through the door. Already the, knew what he was going to do. The control and the power and yes. all of that is part uh, of the And the finality of it all. Yeah. Well, let's, let's come yeah. back to some of these, because I know in the next show, and so I'm just looking at time, um, I know in the next show that, you know, when we talk about the death penalty, that it'll be 
probably quite heated at points, but some of these names are going to come back up. Now, I think the, and, and again, we should say that, you know, we're talking very kind of loosely, and I think, um, you know, we're talking about criminals are one thing, but actually we, we need to take the time to think about the victims and also the victims' families, because we're talking about people and instances here who parents, siblings, uh, you know, the family, friends are very much still alive. And actually, there's some surviving yes. victims. Well, I know with Fred West, there are some people that, that survived and are still very much living in the area. So I think, you know, we need to take that, that moment to recognise... that The, the appalling nature yeah, of these And, and obviously, everything yeah, we absolutely. talk about here is about yeah. trying to bring forward... Yeah, we call it life behind bars, but it's very much, it's much broader than that because obviously if we just concentrated on prison, it would actually be quite a very quick show and quite a quick series. It's, all, it's everything wrapped around it. And I think, but as difficult as these subjects are, it's important yeah. that they're discussed. Oh, absolutely. And keep your emotions yeah, away they, from They say if you... Because once emotions get involved, yeah, then and thinking you, gets distorted. If you them. hide history, yeah. you just make the same mistakes again. Yes, you do. You, you need to look at history, which is why I think, you know, things like Auschwitz is such an important mm. space Never to for people it. to be able to visit. And I know there's a, there's a bit of controversy about whether you should, that they do it so, so well. Um, in the sense of where you can and can't take photos, how it's done, and there's a level of expectation of people to take appropriate photos if you can take them. And actually, in the grand scheme of it, if you look at it, there's very, very few photos of Auschwitz online and on social media. I mean, if you compare it to like our attractions, for example, and I use the word attraction, which I wouldn't use for Auschwitz, very different, but it's so important that those things are, are talked about and are put out there because it prevents well, it from happening. It's You're it? talking yes. about Things. sort of mass murder there, aren't you? But I just, I'm, to, I'm, I'm just yeah. utilising the fact if we didn't talk about... I want to, I want to put something in here. If we didn't talk about Fred West or Ian yeah. Huntley, then, then because you don't talk about it, it's almost like it never existed. Yes. And actually, therefore, in society, happen again. And, and it's things like with... Um, I, I, very quickly, I saw um, Catherine Ryan was talking about last week on a interview, um, I think it was with Louis Theroux. She was talking about a comedian that is a very high profile comedian that everybody knows is a sexual predator, but they're too rich, their lawyers are too good, so on and so forth. And I'm just like, haven't we heard this before? Mm. This feels just like a Jimmy Savile. Yeah. It feels just like um, uh, all the different cases happening sort of throughout the US, the whole Me Too movement. I'm like, so you've kind of started this, and I get why you, you might not be able to make that way forwards, but if history's told us anything, it should be that you can press this forwards and just not Take the next step. Yeah. But the, the, we've been talking about murder and manslaughter, mm. but we've forgotten one of them. When we think about it, we've forgotten about one where, in actual fact, the government legalised murder. Yeah. War. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, with, doesn't matter how you cut this piece of cake, mm -hmm. when you put a gun in someone's hand, you, you, I understand the law creates a defence system and defending country and people, but you're still putting something in someone's hand to go out there intentionally to kill somebody else without emotion, without anger, without relatively justification because as a soldier or a service person, your government are justifying this crime that you're committing for you. Or not crime, but they can they give you the license to do yeah. it. Yeah. So, so I, people forget that when you look at that, you go, it is we're intentionally killing people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to argue we shouldn't or should do those things. That's the way the world lives. But it's always strange that we live in a country where we talk about the sanctity of life and the importance of life and death and all those things. And yet, there are wars going around all around the world all the time, they never stop. 
The world is at war, but it's just not at war as a two groups of people against each other. Yeah. In Africa, there's a dozen wars going on there. We know we've got Eastern European countries going on war. You've got South America, you've got yeah. all the private armies and, the, and Sandin, all the different groups are fighting wars. And you go, so we're killing each other at a phenomenal rate. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand, as a human race, you can't just go, well, we'll make it all, can't make it all against the law. You're not allowed to go to war. Would be nice if we could do that, of course. Would be nice if you say. That's what they say about what if, what if the school, school and hospitals had all the money they needed for equipment and books and everything they needed to be able to do that, and the army had to have do fundraisers, have to do fundraisers for guns. Yeah. Um, and it's like raising yeah. Let's take a quick break there. Um, let's have a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after this. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by Fifty Mill Media. Welcome to Shrewsbury Prison, Shropshire's number one tourist destination. Step behind the gates of this 200-year-old prison and discover an unknown world. Heritage tours run by ex-officers, where you can see the cells, walk the landings, see and touch the history. But there's so much more going on. Experience one of our brilliant activities or take part in our world-renowned events. From escape rooms to axe throwing, overnight sleepovers to prison break, we do it all. And there's something for all the family, with activities starting from eight years, events from 12 years, and heritage tours for all ages. Visit our restaurant and experience food behind bars. There really is so much to see, do and discover on a day out at Shrewsbury Prison. Visit us at www.shrewsburyprison.com. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars for part three. Today we're talking about manslaughter, we're talking about murder with diminished responsibility. We've spoken in depth about various different bits and I want to make sure we get this in because it is a subject, I, I, I'm not 100% sure why I'm so, I'm not sure if fascinated is the right word, it's definitely not factual. I'm not sure why for me this is such a, a, a big case. But the case of Ruth Ellis. Now we, we use this case actually, we do a, um, at, at, at Shrewsbury Prison, at Shepton Prison, we do a, a mock court case effectively that people can come and take part in as a court for a company with schools and such like that. And we use Ruth Ellis as one of those cases. And we use the actual case, the actual setup, the whole process, so they're doing a real thing. And I think for me it's, the case was such a, it was such of its time that even the judge didn't want to sentence her to death, but had no choice. And off the back of that, history then learned, or, or we learned, actually we need to change this, and that's where diminished responsibility. Um, it it led to the discussions that. over that because the barristers that were you know, defending her brought up that subject of, I suppose, insanity. 
because there wasn't such a term as diminished responsibility in law. But they brought up this idea that this woman's mind was so effective that she was beyond the ability to make a reasonable decision about it all. But it, but it wasn't accepted because they said, well, there's no precedent in law for that. So it's not me, accepted as a. It's not even accepted as an illness other than that you're absolutely insane. Let me just so, frame it for people so who don't know the case of Ruth Ellis, and I think it would be really useful for you two to then pick up on those 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 parts. So, so Ruth Ellis was um, she'd been in 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 some. Um, uh, abusive she was in a relationship with a yeah. car, uh, racing car driver, yeah, 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 and so. he was sort of a you know a bit of a. Oh, like you said, she was. She was. He was a wealthy man. She was. She she'd been in an abusive relationship, and it had been abusive both ways. It had been abused both ways, and there had been loss of a child and, and such like that. And it was you know there was there was it was um, it, it was is a volatile situation. And then they was they were separated, and, and the guy didn't want anything to do with her really, and she was still very much wanted the relationship, a little bit infatuated potentially. I don't know, it wasn't there, but there was another guy that she was um, seeing as well, and the other guy that she was seeing um, almost egged a kind of on into well, he supplied so the fire. He, he did supply the fire, but more than that, he took her and showed her how to use it and taught her how to shoot. He then drove her to the pub where, yes. uh, where, where, the, where the guy was. He waited in the car, she then got out, hmm. and then she shot. Wait, wait, shot, wait, 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 shot him, I think, five times. I thought it was, um, I thought it was four, to be honest with four, you. Four, 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 five times. But she also uh, shot the police officer. Yeah. Well, she accidentally shot the police officer in the thumb, mm. who happened to be an off-duty police officer who was in the pub at the time, heard yeah. the gunshots, came outside, arrested her. Got, got shot and his, lost his thumb, and then he arrested her. Um, so she was, you know, she was somebody else supplied the weapon, showed her how to use it, encouraged her to, to do it, drove her to the actual to to, to, to do the murder. Yeah. Effectively, it's called a murder. And then she was the one that was arrested, charged, and the relationship she was in there as well was a volatile and. and, but, and, and but you know, the, the problem, the story's quite correct. The, the problem with at the time that she was arrested, yeah. none of that evidence was available about him. Yeah. None of it. She never uttered that person's name. I forgot his name now, this new boyfriend. Never uttered his name once. David, right David away. Bleak, yeah. And they did, she did mention it right there at the very end of, of the investigation of the trial. Mm. At the very, very end. Even, I think she was actually been charged, convicted of murder, and she was awaiting the death sentence. And then she mentioned it, but it was never, ever taken up. Nobody followed that up after the event. Whether they decided that it was academic now, she's been charged with murder, she did the killing, that'll do, and we're not bothered with the rest of it, or they just didn't believe her. I don't know, who knows? But it's only investigations after the event that that story that you've got there come out. And they said these things are, are, are known things now, but because she never mentioned them, they had nothing to investigate. And remember, their powers of investigation, if you're going back to the 1950s, were not as sophisticated as they are today. They're just not. They, they would have found out where that gun come from one way or the other. They'd have tr tracked that gun somehow. Today, you track it everywhere yeah, it and was. find out where yeah, that where yeah, it yeah, goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on. this doesn't seem right. Where did you get a gun from? I can't remember what she said, but they would have probably said, well, I'm on. Uh, you know, 
for the um, well, I think the, it was that, that trail of investigation would open things, wouldn't it? And her yeah. case and having that information come out was yeah. obviously a catalyst for discussion over people's responsibility. Yeah. And it was so yeah. open and shut. In well, she never denied that. Yeah, in, in it was, court, she yeah, said they intended so, to kill him. Yeah, it was so open and shut. And because there was a police officer as well that had witnessed it, yeah. um, and there was other people there that had witnessed it, it was it was just so. It was she did it. There was no argument. Yeah. I, I will point out one thing with 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 courts, and it was really interesting. I remember the first time I saw it. find with, with trials, particularly for murder and all the serious capital offence stuff like that, is that they always say, that the judge will always say to the jury that you're to listen to the evidence and to take it away after the event and weigh it up based on the evidence. So you, you, you can decide what's a fact and what you, because they're allowed to decide what they believe and what they don't believe. You yeah. can't stop a jury doing that. But he said, you, may, you must make your decision based on the evidence in front of you. And yet they go through a whole process, end up having personality competitions. And they yeah. bring people on, they go, well, you were a good person, he did this and did that and did that. Go, well, then you were already trying to, I always say, convince the jury of someone's innocence or guilt based on their personalities now and a probability. And you go, well, you're not in court to do probabilities. There are two kinds of law in the country. In a civil court, a judge can convict somebody based on probability. Do I believe it happened? Do I think it's likely that it happened? I find you guilty at a criminal, not a criminal offence, a civil offence. Yeah. Uh, but in a criminal court, that's not allowed. They go, you can't do that based on probabilities. You have to say, what is the evidence in front of me? If there's any doubt, any doubt, even on one thing in there, based on that, you should be able to come back with a not guilty verdict. Now, it was the same for prison staff, believe it or not. If we got charged with an offence within the prison system, and I think it's true of all civil servants, by the way, yeah. um, and public servants, if the people that do the adjudications, because it doesn't go to court, it's done with internally, so it won't be my governor, it'll be an independent governor with a bunch, I can get representation, they can. But if they believe that it's likely that I committed that offence, they can find me guilty. Well, you say this in, in the reception and when, they go, they well, about, when they talk about prisoners' clothing and stuff. Because like I might have had a bit of a problem running with the governor a couple of years ago and always been seen as a, a challenging officer. I remember I was a union um, a, a, a guy at one stage, and I would go there represent the staff and with the young. We'd have, we'd have our, we was always good relationships, I must be honest, but we'd have our arguments and fun like that. But you don't know later on down the line. They go, well, I can convince this person you'll be convicted on a probability mm. uh, because he was a bit of a troublemaker. So, he's a job, effectively. so it's likely that he would have done that. 
that. And I just go, I, I can't get my head around that idea that probability is good enough to convict yeah, so someone's opinion, isn't it, at the end of the day? When it's and damage their life it's beyond insane. repair. And it doesn't happen in my world, in, in a business. No, no, it doesn't. I, I might be able to, or we, we would have an investigation if we thought, for example, you've been stealing. We'd have an investigation. But we'd have to prove it. If I went, you were on shift, you signed for it, it's not yeah. there. It's, yeah. like, it's yeah. probable, yeah. and it is probable, you've stolen that money. That's not enough. I have to prove yes. that you it's, did. It's one of the, I do remember some of those sort of rules from when I was in there, and I always find it kind of hard to get my head on, and, and hard as well. But actually, they're more. That's almost give you that feeling that they're more likely to throw you under a bus than yeah. actually help you as such. You never know what the, you like, never know what the motivation at the higher levels are. Yeah, what's what's the kind of motivation yeah. behind this? And it's like, a, as a civil servant, it's like if you can, well, the probability is, my opinion is, so therefore we can just go down. I mean, even though this is slightly off subject, uh, there was a training school for the prison officers many, many years ago, probably in the eighties, mm, uh, and the staff there were principal officers, I believe they were. Uh, they're only, you had to be a principal officer before you become a trainer. And then there was some investigation done. They said there had been, there'd been some uh, fraud on expenses. You know, there was, they were claiming for mileage they may not have done more mileage, claiming for food that they weren't entitled to claim yeah. for. So it was all in... So you work with MPs yeah, then, But the prison service sent it out right. to the police. And the police investigated it. And they went to a whole, and it took months and months and months to investigate. So it's not over 12 months, 18 months. And they came back and they said, there's no case to answer. There's no case to answer. There is nowhere near enough evidence here for us to go to court and convict any one of these people. Because there are about 10 people charged with it. But this happens with MPs. And the prison service said, thank you very much. And then they charged all the officers within the internal system. Yeah. And found them all guilty. And then took them all out of the training school, broke their ranks, if I remember rightly. Brought them down, broke their ranks and put them back into prisons as a punishment. But the police had said, well, there's no case. So I go, well, how come the prison service can decide that on a probability we know that you're guilty, but the police can't find any evidence? You go, well, it just flies in the face of what I call I, true justice. I guess yeah. we found the downside of but being a civil servant. It, but it's nothing to do with that side. We're not talking about We're, we're talking about No, but that I mean, that does, that does happen with MPs. We always see it. But it's about the evidence and the way we It comes back to that uh, opinion and evidence stuff that we talked yeah. about right at the start of the show where you were talking about how like, the, the public will often be like, well, they can just get on with it. Why don't the police just arrest them? Yeah. It's like, well, actually, you need the evidence. And it's all well and good for someone who's not there judging a person, sentencing a person, yeah. sending a person down to be like, well, that's my opinion, just, you know, sentence them to prison, sentence them to death. Here, I want this kind of punishment available. It's like, well, yeah, but you sit there used to have in that front system. of that person and make that judgment. And if you take the emotion out of it and look at actual evidence Dense. rather than just yeah. making a sweeping statement or an opinion based on how you're feeling at a point in time, then it's very different. Well, years ago, prison officers were exempt from jury duty. Yes. And the reason they said they were exempted is because if this person, because you're not allowed to know as a jury member whether they've been in prison, whether they committed yeah. previous crimes, until after the event. And they go, the danger we're putting a prison officer, they might sit there and look at that person and not go, I know you. Mm. So they said you were exempt from that because you may know things about their history yeah. that we don't want the jury to understand because you're only supposed Especially to convict somebody jury, jury on the evidence in front of you, not on past history. And jury service is always local. You don't, you don't go all no. over the country. But they're not exempt anymore. Forms. Prison officers are not exempt anymore. They can ask to be exempted on the grounds they might say, I know the person that's charged yeah. and I've known them for many years in jail. But if you go, well, I'm not, I'm not aware of that person, then they might say, well, you can't be exempt anymore. But you see hundreds of thousands of prisoners. So you might go to court one day and not realise the person in front of there, but then they find out. They may find out one way or the other that you, when they go, oh, sorry, that, that's a done jury now. Yeah. 
Why? How do you reason why? Because we found out that that officer works in a prison, and we found out that that prisoner has been to that jail. They might not know each other, but we don't know that. Once again, we can't take the risk. You know, once you infect something, it's like a bad apple in a barrel, isn't it? Once you infect something, doubt and suspicion. But takes there are over. there are countries, and we used to do it in the Georgian times. We used to put people in prison based on hearsay. That's where hearsay comes from. And there is a case. We'll pick up in the death penalty show that we do, but it's there was a case where somebody was executed for firing in the direction yes. of a gameskeeper. Yes. Didn't even didn't even fire at him, but in the direction. And that was a case where a upper class person from society, a first class person or you know, very, very upper class, had turned around and said, That person over there shot in my direction. <coughs> you right? Um, they were then put into prison and executed. And, and that was literally, that was the evidence. That person did that. Well, because, I, because of the way society did. That this, this, that is, this is, this is a, a true story. When I was a young man, I lived in a little town in Wales called Montgomery. And uh, there's a story there, and it still runs today uh, as, as a sort of um, story. Uh, and there was a person running around. And there's a, there's a place, and there's a farm and a lake place called um, Limer. It's called Limer. There's lakes, small ponds, I should say, not lakes and all that. And there were, one person was walking from a pub going home. And another person came along on a horse. And what happened was is that that person on that horse got killed. And it went to court because they took this person to court. I forgot his name now. Robert somebody his name is. And he pleaded innocent. But they found him guilty of the crime, even though his argument was that this person was literally on the horse trying to beat him, beat him, beat him, and I don't know what he did, but this, uh, so he, 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 he was sentenced to death. And he said, for as long, he said, I'm innocent, and as God is my witness, he said, for as long as I'm buried in that ground, he said, there will be no grass grow on my grave. So we used to run up there as kids to the church, because we know where it was, called the robber's grave. And we used to look at that, and it was always the shape of a bare cross they put a rose bush in the middle, which is probably a reason why there's no grass across <laughs> but, but there was a small, well, small rose bush about two yeah. foot high. But there was that, there was always that distinct, and you could see it wasn't man, manufactured. It was just that kind of piece of ground. I have no idea whether it's still there. I don't think but, roses but stop grass growing. Yeah, it, it's, called, it's the story of the robber's grave. You probably find it on the internet now. It's still local folklore, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, As, we, uh, those yeah. kind of things I do find fascinating. I think I think those. I, I mean, I get absorbed in history. So he was basically convicted on hearsay. Yeah, and, and they do. It, it used to happen all the time. And we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more when we get to where the executions. Because obviously, when we talk about executions, I'm sure we'll talk about modern executions or yeah. recent ones yeah. and current crimes and people that should or shouldn't be executed, depending on where you sit on the fence. But we'll also go back in time and talk about those that were. For ridiculous crimes that probably almost certainly a good chunk were innocent so we'll do that um i was going to pick up on the on the on, on the end just really to finish on ruth ellis because i think what was one of the things i find so i guess important about the ruth ellis case is that she was the victim that has almost certainly saved countless lives beyond that because we all know that people do get convicted of crimes and then later on get found innocent and she's one of those that yes she committed the crime but it certainly didn't warrant a death sentence but at the time there was no choice that's what the judge had to do he had no option i think he no, no, i think he even said that, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. but 
she was the she was the catalyst for changing that decision. And unfortunately, and they do say, don't they, in in, in, in army terms and stuff, the person that's first through the wall always gets bloodiest. And unfortunately, she was that first one through the wall. But because of that, we now do have a, a far better system in place. It's not perfect by any stretch of imagination, a far better system in place that actually will have prevented numerous people from actually being charged with murder, whether they were whether they were then killed or not, executed or not, or spending life in prison. But <clears throat> you'll never find that, you'll that, never that find a perfect situation of course, of course. in any human society. You never will. That's <coughs> humanly impossible. To yeah. What well, you've got any, to strive for any is the best that you can get. That's all we can fight for is the best that we can get. And you will always have to accept mistakes will be made, horrific things will happen, and we will deal with them in ways that many people disagree with or agree with. That's human nature. People will always make mistakes. People will always, people will always make mistakes. There will always be people that yeah. have different interests and there will always be always. people with different opinions. Uh, I think sometimes we get, because there's so much media now, we think we can solve the problems and we can't. We just have to accept that our job really is to keep it at its lowest level that it's absolutely possible to do. That's all you can ever do. It's really it's interesting you say that because I think, I, think, I think my life, my, my entire life, both, both personally and professionally, but I think my life is aimed at solving problems and I'm always like, I'm going to solve this problem. Yeah. And maybe, that's, maybe I can't. Maybe I just need to go, I'm just going to reduce this problem to as minuscule as I can. Your aim is to solve it. Your aim is to solve it, accepting that you probably never will, but that aim keeps you driving and driving. It's yeah. the same with deaths on our roads. We have one of the safest records on our roads, believe it or not, because of things like seat belts and things like that, and good laws. And most people are most people are good drivers and drive accordingly for their own safety. I mean, yeah. stuff like that. But 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 we've always accepted that you'll never ever ever go. There'll never be a zero figure. No, you just won't. No, even, yeah. even if you don't have cars and you've got a horse and cars, so people will still get killed by yeah. horse and cars. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. So there's Let's... always it's about keeping it at a level and go. It's not good. But we have to live within those things in life. And that's true when you look at manslaughter and murders and all those things. The reality is, is these are things that are happening in the world. Always have, always will. Okay, let's bring it to a close there. Um, thank you very much for listening. This has been Life Behind Bars. We've been talking about manslaughter and uh, murder with diminished responsibility today. If you want to um, send us any comments, any thoughts, any messages, any questions, please do. You can do that through the variety of social media channels we have for the shows and for ourselves individually. Um, if you like the show, please subscribe. Feel free to share it. We'd like you to share it. If you don't like it, then just don't listen. It's that, it's that simple. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to get all their names and addresses and go around their houses. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, oh, I, I spent 38 years in the prisons. I've got a few contacts. Yeah, I know, I know. I've seen you do that with kids. I've seen you do that with kids. Go, kids, if you're good on a tour, my dad takes... He does, he does this. I'm going to finish it here. He takes people on tours and he'll pull the kids out in the front and go, if you're really good over the next two hours, mum and dad are going to tell you from McDonald's afterwards. And if they don't, you come back and tell me because I know people, so I've done this for a long time. I, it's and a complete lie, it's a complete lie. Right. <laughs> I do yes, not see but yeah, It's a great story, it's amazing. Not being an author with Officer Goodwin, you absolutely should, they are amazing. Um, that's not my job to do, that's a sponsor's job to do. Anyway, um, that has been the show. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media.